And you're back with Encounter with God right here on Faith FM. And we are studying the subject of unity as we work our way through this particular part of the year. Join the 20 million movement, 20 million people around the world all studying the same passage of the Bible together as we do every morning. Okay, so yesterday we were talking about, oh, and Mon is waving the clue. I'm just too excited to get into yeah, those well, study. you're going to have to wait. <laughs> Next clue for our Who Am I quiz. I had a noticed noticed i had a notice fastened to jesus christ that read jesus of nazareth the king of jews come on mm. now we all know who that is give us a call 1-800-FAITH-FM 1-800-324-843 and you can get a copy of a wonderful cookbook month by month recipes of best of vegetarian uh, by sanitarium so it's really cool it's really nice because it's like wintry recipes in, in, uh, in winter and like summery recipes and summer else really delicious Okay, so we're talking about unity as we go through this year, and right now we're going to be talking about disunity. Yes. This whole week we're going to talk about disunity. Great. And, uh, of course, plenty the of examples for of that in the Bible. There are plenty of examples for it. Uh, let's go to the book of Philemon. Philemon! Yes. Didn't you used to have a monkey called Philemon? We, uh, my son had a monkey called Philemon. Mm. Not a real monkey, a monkey full of stuffing. But it was a kind of cute monkey. He and had his own Instagram for a while. He had his own Instagram he? page. Yeah, yeah. Probably still does. Probably still out there in the ether. Hey, I think yeah. I unfollowed him because he was inactive. Yeah, probably. He was a pretty cute monkey, though. Where do they maybe stick we, the maybe book? Maybe we need film? to revive filament. <laughs> uh, filament is just before Hebrews, if you're looking for it. Okay, I found Hebrews. I oh, there he is. There it is. Okay, one of the shorter books in the Bible. Yeah, that's why I can't find it because it's literally on like half a page. Now, what I want to know is that this book is all about a particular individual who was a slave. Mm. What was his name? It was it Philemon? No, it wasn't Philemon. Philemon was, was the businessman who owned the slave. Oh, it um, wasn't Paul. Epaphras? Nope, it was not Epaphras. I just randomly looked at the page and that was the first one I saw. I just read it out. And it wasn't Apia and it wasn't Archippus. Um, was it an unnamed soldier, unnamed slave? No, this was a named person. Wansimus. Um, uh, oh, yes, I remembered off the top. I was like, hang on a second. <laughs> I just wanted to. I just wanted to hear your pronunciation. Wansimus. Because there is there is great there is great debate over how this name is pronounced. How do you pronounce it? Well, all primary school students call it Wansimus mm-hmm. because we learn in primary school the letter one and how it is spelt. That's right. And it begins with O N E. That's one. Uh huh. And followed by Ismus. Wansimus. Imas. Yes, yeah. yes. And so I remember when I was in school and I was asked to read about this particular individual in primary school and I just simply read it as Wansimus <laughs> and got in all kinds of trouble. That's not Wansimus. And I'm like, yes, it is Wansimus. It has a one followed by a smus. That makes it Wansimus. <laughs> they're like, no, 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 it's not Wansimus. It's Onisimus. Onisimus. I think there is. Okay, so what we need today, we need some help from all of our Greek speaking listeners. Uh-huh. We need someone from Greece, okay, to call us up and let us know the correct pronunciation. Is it Wansimus or is it Onisimus? I think. Or I was, is it something totally different? Have we completely butchered this in our English language? I think I say Wansimus because I've heard your Wansimus story so many times that now when I ever look at it, my, my brain automatically goes, oh yeah, that's Wansimus. <laughs> Have I told this story too many times? No, I just, you know, in Bible study and stuff like that. So, yeah. Okay. But it's, just a, it's just fun. It's just a fun. Yeah, yeah. It's a fun name. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. All right. So, let's... Uh, um, but you do pronounce some names quite wrong. 
like Adolf, you say Adolf. In Italy, you say Italy. <laughs> Italian. <laughs> that kind of thing. <laughs> anyway. Yeah, whatever. <laughs> whatever. But let's, let's go on with one semester. Talk about the pot calling the kettle black. <laughs> let's have a uh, let's have a pronunciation off in the Bible and see who can get the better pronunciations <laughs> yeah, all the yeah, way through. Yeah, I get you. I get you. It's going to be you. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Um, all right. So let's um, read the whole book. The whole book. Someone says we need to get Gia on the line. Yes, where I, I was thinking the same it's thing. Gia, I was like, Gia, if you're listening, call us. We need Gia Cavanagh to get on the line because she is Greek. So yeah, I was thinking the same thing. Then one of our listeners, she, um, like, yeah. she 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 uh, she comes and and um, helps us produce the show here on occasions, mm-hmm, but, uh, mm-hmm. an occasional stand-in, and uh, does a great job. So um, yes, all right. Um, I'm just trying to think who else I know that uh, is Greek. I've got a few other Greek friends. Maybe <laughs> maybe um, maybe I'll call one in a break somewhere. And Let's just call Greece. We can, we can settle this. Just call Greece. Just call Greece. Yeah, why not ask Greece? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who are you going to ask you in call Greece? Call the Greek hotline. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm sure there's like a Greek association in Melbourne or something like that where we can call. Of course there is. Yeah, yeah of course. Yeah, there's probably one all over the place. Mm-hmm. More Greeks living in Australia than Greece, isn't there? Just about, just about. Or more in more in Melbourne than the, in yeah. Athens, I think it is. There's the but Athens is not actually Melbourne has the highest number of Greeks outside of Greece. That's the official... And you can tell because there's actually like a Greek quarter in Melbourne. And when you're walking along the footpath, you see those little Greek, um, not swastikas, but you know how they get pretty close. Those Greek designs <laughs> in, the, <laughs> in the footpath. Yeah. This is Monica the German saying this, mind you. <laughs> it's okay. I'm German. I can get away with it. These are my, pi- my people. Oh, <laughs> I have a license dear. for this. <laughs> No, we love our Greek our Greek heritage here in Australia. It's a, an, an integral part of Australian society. Where would we be without it? So, one semester was Greek. The other thing I love about going to Greece. What's that? Bumping into Aussies everywhere. Oh, so true. Who so are all true. Greek and they've lived in Australia and then they're li- living in Greece now uh-huh, and then uh-huh. they sort of move backwards and forwards. You know, you, you, you go to a, to a business and uh, there's Greek people running the business and you speak in English and they're like, yeah, how are you, mate? Yeah, yeah so true, isn't it? <laughs> it's the only place in the world that I've ever gone like that. Uh, dear. Well, if there's any Greeks listening to you, we say Kalimera. Uh, but yeah, so one semester was a Greek slave, you're saying? Yes. All right. Um, let's start reading in verse one. Okay, Mon's not going to start reading because Mon's got the sneezes this morning. Uh, it's because I've got this sunburn, so I'm really hot. <laughs> sunburn makes really, you sneeze. Well, it's, it's, it's a conundrum. Yes. Like I'm hot, so I don't want to cover up, but then I get chills, and so then I start sneezing, and my nose starts running. So like it's every time I get a sunburn, I get like a cold to go with it. Anyway, <laughs> here we go. Philemon, first I've one. I've never, ever noticed a, a correlation between those two diseases happens before. every single time. Because like you're lying in bed right at night and you're trying to sleep, but your shoulders are so hot because they're sunburned. Anytime that the sheets touch it, it hurts. And so you don't cover up. And then you wake up a later and you're, you're chilly and you're cold and you're shivering because you're not covered up. And so you try and cover. It's like you can't win. You can't win. It's terrible. Anyway, Philemon, verse one. My Sri Lankan skin has never um, oh, experienced pff. this. First one. Yes. This letter is from Paul, a prisoner for preaching the good news about Christ Jesus and from our brother Timothy. I am writing to Philemon, our beloved co-worker, and to our sister Athea, and to our fellow soldier Archippus, and to the church who meets in your house. May God, our Father, and the Lord Jesus Christ give you grace and peace. Okay, and he continues on in that kind of theme uh, for a little way. Uh, let's just go down to verse 8. That is why I am boldly asking a favor of you. I could demand it in the name of Christ because it is the right thing for you to do. I I should just say that in the lead up 
to verse eight. He's saying how generous he is. Yeah, he is, yeah. and and this is this is your standard format for a first century letter. Mm. A lot of for, for for many years, people believed that you know the biblical format for the the uh, Pauline epistles and the other New Testament Testament epistles was unique to Christianity, but it's not. The way you actually wrote a letter in those days was that you would spend, you know, the first you know, 50 words or so uh, telling the person how much you appreciated them. Yeah. Uh, we do that with one word these days, if we are lucky, dear. Yeah. <laughs> Done. Wish, wish Problem you solved. Move. Do we still use dear? In, um, anybody still write letters? I usually just say hey or hi. Yeah. I think dear is gone. Yeah, I feel, I feel I like I think the it. digital age got rid of it. Yeah, absolutely. You don't really use it on emails, do you? Yeah, dear Lyle. Nah, no, definitely, <laughs> not, definitely, <laughs> definitely not. Now that I've said it out loud, there's not something I've ever written. It actually it actually sounds creepy in our society. It, it does, Just doesn't a little it? Bit creepy. It does. In, it unless does. it's coming from, you know, somebody of a, uh, a generation. My generation or older, I think, can get away with it. Yeah, 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 yeah. Anyone younger than my generation? Yeah, don't go there. That's my recommendation. That's my. If if you have a different uh, different perspective on that, give us a call. One 843 is our number. But back in Paul's day, you would use about fifty words to say how much you appreciate the person, and I kind of nice. miss that. Yeah, yeah it is nice. nice. Imagine if all our emails worked like that these days. But then again, in this in this letter in this book here in Philemon, you have to admit to some degree it does kind of sound like he's being buttered up because you know, he spends like what is it? seven verses telling him how much he loves him and appreciates him yada yada yada. And he's like, "Oh, can I ask you a favor?" <laughs> By the way, it's like <laughs> Yeah, and in our culture that wouldn't go down well. Yeah, no, because like, that would be totally misunderstood. Yeah, that's right. That's right. But in that culture of those days it wouldn't be misunderstood because, you know, that's the uh, that's the way you addressed a letter. You're listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. And you can read any of those epistles. They're all going to start the same way. That's right. And even when he's writing to people he's really upset with, like the Galatians, it always starts off with, you know, I've heard some, you know, this this is good and that's good and that the other's good and great and all the rest. And and you uh, spin the positive and show your respect and then you get to the nitty gritty. And I tend to think that within our culture today, if we spent the first 50 words um, telling each other how much we appreciated each other before we got to the nitty gritty, I think that we would just uh, skip the intro. Yeah, it'd be seen as being fake. Yes. Mm-hmm. Cut to cut cut to cut to the uh, cut to the chase. Get down to the bit where uh, the letter actually starts. And verse eight is where it actually starts. Mm-hmm. Where it's just like, yeah, okay, I have a favor to ask. Yeah. All right. So Paul and Timothy have a favor to ask of Philemon. Verse nine. Who was a wealthy businessman. Mm-hmm. And who had a church in his house. It's a cool place to have a church. Um, where Aphia and Archippus, the soldier, worshipped. And so there's a couple of other people that are mentioned by name here as well. Ever been to a house church? I don't know. Not, not, like, a, not like a, you know, it's permanently there kind of a thing. It's like a regular thing. I think maybe just um, because we didn't have any other options, we just had church at a house kind of a thing. Not because there was a regular meeting or anything. It was just a one-off. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So no. Have yeah. you? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep, been to a, a, a house church where it met. I didn't like it, to be honest. Yeah. It was a little bit like uh, everybody sat around in the living room and, you know, certainly we, uh, we we sang some songs and we prayed and we did Bible study, which is all of the usual things that you would do in a church setting. We even had a sermon. Oh, really? In a house. It's kind of a little bit different. Did but someone stand up and deliver it or did they sit down? 
stood up. Okay. But this is what I didn't like about it. When you're sitting in somebody's living room in their lounge chair with a hot drink on the coffee table, it's just a different atmosphere. It is, yeah. And I just didn't feel like I'd been to church at the end of the day. Yeah. It's not my culture. It's kind of more like a like a Bible study or a it was like a small Friday group, night fellowship. It was, a, it was definitely a small group Bible study, not a um, not not church. Mm-hmm. And for my culture, it was just like I just didn't like it. Yeah, there there is something to be said about the reverence of formality. I have mm-hmm. to admit, like mm-hmm. you know, having that structure. Um, but I know, I know a lot of people are not into formalities, and I think it's just ridiculous. And why should we adhere to this? It doesn't make any sense. But when you have a lot of respect and uh, you know a bit of reverence, goes a long way. I think buildings create atmosphere. That's right. So true. And you can design a building to create a certain atmosphere. And this is why, whenever anyone walks into a cathedral, they're suddenly reverent and silent. Yeah, it strikes awe in them, regardless of mm-hmm. whether they are kids or whether they are. You just don't see kids roaring around cathedrals. No, no. you know they'll be like, oh. Yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and, and that that is an atmosphere that is not created by the parents. It's not created by the culture. It's not created by the, uh, the, the preacher or the priest or whoever gets up the front. It's created by the building. And a home is pretty much the opposite of that. Mm. It would be quite challenging, I think, to train your children to um, not just roar around the house, if in particular it's their house. Uh, when you're trying to have a Bible study. Yeah. Um, whereas in church, it's a different atmosphere. That's right, yeah. And I yeah. think most of our modern churches are sort of somewhere between the two, somewhere between the, uh, you know, they're not the uh, cathedral, but they're not the home environment either. So how come you, how come you had a home church? Oh, this was um, many, many years ago. And I was invited to speak at this particular home church who were a breakaway movement. Ooh. Yeah. That was that was interesting. I have to admit, anytime someone says home church, I do think of those situations. Breakaways. Uh-huh. uh-huh. Heretics. <laughs> Apostasizers. Yes. Um, it was not something. It was not a movement that lasted too long. And if I do believe that uh, every person within that uh, particular home church, from my memory, and this was ooh, 24 years ago now, so it's wow. going back a few years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, to the best of my knowledge, they all worship in uh, mainstream churches today. Bless their hearts. Which is not always the case with breakaway movements. Often they end up with nothing. people just you know walking yep. completely out of mm-hmm. faith altogether. Mm-hmm. Okay, so where were we up to? We were up. We were reading verse, verse nine. Verse he was nine. about to ask him the favor. Okay, here it comes. Okay, Paul's appeal. But because of our love, I prefer simply to ask you: consider this as a request from me, Paul, an old man, and now a prisoner for the sake of Christ Jesus. Okay, we have to. Um, we have to admit that Paul's laying it on thick. He is. Is he that old though? <laughs> He's played the old card. He's played the, the prisoner, prisoner card. card. <laughs> He's playing every card he can possibly yeah. play. He's played the card of like, Philemon, you're a decent, you're a decent mm-hmm, bloke. Mm-hmm. Do the decent thing here. I wonder what he wants. <laughs> okay. I appeal to you to show kindness to my child, Onesimus. I became his father in the faith while here in prison. Onesimus hasn't been of much use to you in the past, but now he is very useful to both of us. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Mm. All right, so now he brings up the subject of Onesimus, which is going to be a thorn in Philemon's side. Oh, really? Oh, absolutely. This is going to be a situation where, which is going to instant acid in Philemon's stomach when he hears this particular uh, name. Okay. 
And Paul introduces him as my son. Ooh, okay, <laughs> so, okay. So Paul is definitely laying it on uh-huh. thick here. For reasons. <laughs> yes. Yep. Okay, so here's the, here's the background. Uh, Onesimus or Onesimus, whoever you want to call him, uh, was a slave. Mm-hmm. He belonged to Philemon. And as a slave, he had been a very unworthy and unruly slave. So you can imagine, you imagine, you know how teenagers have attitude? Yes. You imagine having a slave that, has, that is a teenager with attitude? Oh. You, you can imagine how, much, how challenging that would be for your household. It would be very challenging. It would be very challenging. And so then this is the kind of person that uh, Onesimus, Onesimus, this is, this is uh, who he is. And so he escapes. And, of course, that carried the death penalty. Oh, really? Oh, absolutely. You, if terrible. you were a slave, you weren't allowed to escape. But he's escaped, and I think from I think it might be um, Philemon was back in uh, Asia, Turkey, and of course Paul was in Rome, and Paul meets um, Onesimus in Rome, mm-hmm. and Onesimus gives his heart to God. Oh, bless! Yeah, and then Paul's like, "You need to do the right thing. You need to go back and make things right with Philemon." Because mm-hmm. not only had he escaped, which was against the law, but he had stolen from his master in escaping. So he had provisioned himself well for his future life at his master's expense and then escaped. Oh, dear. And we could see, you know, in today's society, we could see a certain level of justice in that. Mm-hmm. But Paul was like, no, the Bible says thou shalt not steal. Two wrongs don't make a right. Two wrongs don't make a right. Mm-hmm. And you need to go back and you need to make something that was wrong. You need to make it right again. Now, here's where the plot thickens. If he goes back, he is going back to slavery because slavery was the law of the land. That was the They were living under the Roman Empire. This was not Australia. They didn't have freedoms from slavery. Paul was not in a position where he could change that law. He's not the emperor. He's, he's basically a, sending him back to captivity. He's sending him back to captivity and he's sending him back to make things right and sending him back to where Philemon could legally have him executed. Wow. And it was very popular to execute slaves because that's how you kept slaves. If slaves were not executed when they escaped and got caught, then they would all run away. They would all run mm-hmm. away. Okay. Who would ever stay around? You, know, you yep. send your slave down to the markets to buy something and that's the last you ever see of him. Mm-hmm. Like, mm-hmm. yep, thank you and I'm out of here. Um, and it was that fear of being caught in that fear of death that um, kept them there. Kept them there. And, of course, you know, once he's gone to Rome because the best place to hide is in a crowd. So he's basically being asked to be sent to his death. Is this, is this why Paul's writing to Philemon to ask him? He's writing to Philemon and he's writing this letter and he's giving it to Onesimus and Onesimus is going to carry it to Philemon. Okay. That's the plan. Okay. Yeah. Now you see. Hopefully, the axe doesn't come swinging before you can hand over the letter. (laughs) Now you see why Paul is laying it on thick. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, Gotcha. Okay. Um, And of course, you know, he talks about how that once it was, yeah, he wasn't so profitable to you, you know, because he took a bunch of stuff and he was probably a useless young kid with a lot of attitude, but he's been incredibly valuable to me. Mm -hmm. Ah, let's keep reading. Okay, I am sending him back to you and with him comes my own heart. Wow. <laughs> Thick or what? <laughs> I wanted to keep him here with me while I'm in these chains for preaching the good news and he would have helped me on your behalf. Okay, let's stop there for a moment. Paul's like, you know, I really need this guy. You know, 
Um, and I'm in chains. Don't forget, I'm in chains. I'm in prison and I need this guy, but I'm going to send him back uh, to you because that's where he belongs. <laughs> so, yeah. <laughs> Talk about laying it on thick. He's laying it on thick all the way through. Anyway, if you are enjoying the letter of Philemon, uh, stay there. We'll be back right after Josh White. Is able to keep us from stumbling. He is able when distances come between everything that we hold dear. He is able to draw us into deeper life. He is able to cut away like a knife. Everything that keeps us from Him Everything that keeps us from Him Josh White with He Is Able here on Faith FM. Do we got any clues left or are they all gone? 
I believe we have one last clue left for our quiz. So listen closely and if you would like to win a copy of the cookbook Best of Vegetarian Month-by-Month Recipes from Sunny uh, Sanitarium. Uh, you can give us a call, 1-800-FAITH-FM, 1-800-324-843. If you can tell me who this is, I had Jesus flogged and handed over to be crucified. That's pretty easy. Um, yeah, call us now if you want a copy of this cookbook because it is, it is delicious. Look at that. Look at that yumness. Um, this is radio. Sorry, I was holding it up to the camera. <laughs> if you want to have a look at that cookbook, head on over to our Instagram. It's Faith FM Live, lowercase, all one word. That's our handle. And uh, and you can check out on our Insta story. I have all the clues up there, so you can go back and watch them all through and listen to them all again. And, of course, you can have a look at the cookbook too. Okay, so coming back to the story of Philemon, where Philemon is uh, being encouraged by Paul to take this young man. Paul's really, really encouraging <laughs> Yes, to take him back, to take him back not just as a slave, but as a brother in Christ. Yes. And it's a little bit like Paul is saying, hey, this is my son. Mm-hmm. You know, and what would you do with Paul's son? Yeah. You, you know, this is somebody who him. brought you to Christ. This is somebody who has um, just transformed your life. Would you, what would you do with, what would you do with Paul's son if Paul's son turned up? Paul's really helping this kid out. He is. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Keep going. Uh, Where were we up to? Fifteen, somewhere there. Yes, he just said he wanted to keep him here, but he, um, he, you know, he says, but I didn't want to do anything without your consent. I wanted you to help because you were willing, not because you were forced. It seems you lost Onesimus for a little while, so that you could have him back forever. He is no longer like a slave to you. He is more than a slave, for he is a beloved brother, especially to me. Now he will mean much more to you, both as a man and as a brother in the Lord. So if you consider me your partner, welcome him as you would welcome me. If he has wronged you in any way or owes you anything, charge it to me. That's a... Um, wow, it's huge, yeah. Yeah, it's, I guess um, in consideration that Paul's about to die, it's yeah. like, yeah, I'll pay for it. <laughs> <laughs> Good point, actually. Take it that's, out of it. That's just, that's just my cynical side coming through. No, mm-hmm. I shouldn't have said that. That wasn't uh, Paul's intention there whatsoever at well, all. Well, the next, the next verse course, is in capitals. So, oh, mm-hmm. really? Not in mine. It's almost like a, I don't know, because he says, I, Paul, write this with my own hand. I will repay it, and I won't mention that you owe me your very soul. <laughs> I won't mention it, but I'm just going to mention it. Not going to, not going to say anything, but I'm just going to say this quickly. <laughs> Paul, <laughs> oh dear, the culture was definitely different back in those days. You would not get away with that here no, in Australia. No, no, no. <laughs> like, yeah, don't mention it. I won't mention it. But <laughs> <laughs> not mentioning any names, Paul. But <laughs> uh, yes, my brother, please do me this favor for the Lord's sake. Give me this encouragement in Christ. I am confident as I write this letter that you will do what I ask, and even more. One more thing, please prepare a guest room for me, for I am hoping that the, that God will answer your prayers and let me return to you soon. There you wow. go. So he sends he sends uh, he sends one of us off with this letter. And uh, he's like, okay, take this back. And within the letter, he's like, you know, this is my son. Um, accept him as he would accept me. And while you're at it, just prepare a guest room for me because I'm, I'm planning to be there. Uh, you know, check up on, on how you're doing and how you and uh, Once and Miss are getting on. Uh-huh, uh-huh. Make sure you haven't killed him. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you haven't killed my son. So um, It is a bit comical, but you know what? I think if all of us took yeah, such and an interest... The only reason it's comical to us is because our culture is so different. Yeah, yeah. But if all of us took such an interest in soothing over disunities in our church, 
Like, what a wonderful place church The Bible says blessed are the peacemakers. Exactly. Paul is very blessed in this letter, let me tell you. Yeah. Yeah. And it's one of those, I often think to myself, how quickly in a church environment we can let our self rise up and it's like, you know what? I'm right. That's mm-hmm. it. End of story. Mm-hmm. Everybody else is an idiot and I'm right. Yeah. Yeah. It brings about disunity. It brings about discord. It brings about, um, you know, friction between members. Sometimes that friction can even go as far as hatred. I've seen churches that have been split and divided over these kinds of outbursts. Mm-hmm. And Paul is going out of his way to do the opposite. Sometimes I wonder, you know, all right, we read this and we say, okay, within our culture today, that just all sounds a little bit corny and a little bit, he's laying on pretty thick. But I just sort of wonder, you know, even even within our culture, if we chose to just lay it on thick, mm. let it be corny, let it sound like, let, let everybody say, yeah, 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 he's laying it on thick, you know. And, and, and even when we're like, I'm not going to mention it, but here I'm going to mention it. You know, yeah, and, and we can see the cynicism of that, but it makes me ask the question: If we treated each other like that today, yeah, how much of the conflict and disunity that we see in our churches would be avoided? Absolutely. I mean, yeah, you have to think about it. Like, <clears throat> um, Philemon here is well within his right to to kill to kill one Simus. That's what the law says. Yeah, and so Paul stepping in, like he's really going out on a limb here, because he could have just said to one Smith, "You know what? You need to go home and let the Lord deal with you know your fate." You know, I'll pray for you, but that's about it. But here he's writing a whole letter about this. Like it's it's quite remarkable. And if you place yourself in Philemon's shoes, you know this was the this was the kid that um, has done him great damage. Mm. This is the kid that has was a, a, a genuine pain in the neck. This was the guy that would create acid in Philemon's stomach any time his name was ever mentioned. You know, and and of course Paul had brought Philemon to God. Paul had spent time in Philemon's home. You imagine Paul when he's in Rome and he meets this guy and st- suddenly connects the dots. It's like, uh-huh. yeah, six degrees of separation. There yeah. we go. <laughs> yeah. I know who this kid is. You know, and then it's like, well, what do you do? You know, you bring that person to Christ and it's like, okay, now I've brought him to Christ. What am I going to do now? Mm-hmm. You know, and sometimes people come to me with really, really difficult decisions. You know, what am I going to do about this? I have a choice between following Christ or, or uh, losing my job. Well, here, uh, um, Onesimus has a choice between following Christ and going back and ma- making things right with Philemon or possibly losing his life. You know, that's a much bigger issue. Mm-hmm. And also, you know, his choice is to, a choice to walk back into slavery so that he can make things right. Uh, and, and so it, you put that whole picture together. It's a much bigger, more challenging issue. Yeah. Um, Scenario than anyone in Australia has had to face. Oh, absolutely. So far. If I was one Smith, I'd have a very, very hard time going back. Especially if I was enjoying freedom. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're in Rome, you're in the capital of the world, you are living it up. Mm-hmm. Eating gelato. Indeed. All right, so drawing from the principles of the gospel as seen here, what can you take away that can help you deal with whatever stresses and strains, even fractures you have in relationships with others? What's your takeaway lesson from this one, Mon? Just because I have the right to exercise something, like Philemon had the right to kill one smith, doesn't mean I should. Mm -hmm. Um, And then also I guess I could be more proactive in helping soothe disunity. Yeah. Yeah. Why do you think it was that Paul didn't fight harder against slavery? 
Why do you think it was that Paul didn't stand up and say, hey, slavery's wrong. You can't have him as, la- as a slave anymore. I guess it wasn't the battle for him. Yeah. Yeah. There's a time Paul and a place was not, for everything. Paul was not the emperor. Yeah, that's right. He had, did not have the emperor's ear. Mm-hmm. He was not in a position where he could fight that battle. Yeah. It's an important principle to fight the battles that you can win. That's right. There was a battle here that he could win, and that was a battle of we are all one in Christ. That's right. And so rather than fighting the battle of slavery because that was a legal thing, you know, and you can't fight against the law of the land, he fought a much more powerful battle of unity in Christ, Mm -hmm. oneness in Christ. Everybody's on the same level in Christ. And if you actually follow that principle, then it's impossible to own slaves. Mm Mm-hmm. You know, because Paul in places gives advice to slaves. If you're a slave, do this. Do, do, do this is how you live a righteous life as a slave. Um, but you know, he's not in a position where he can actually get rid of it. What we do find is whenever Christians do find themselves in a position where they can get rid of slavery, of course, they fight very hard against it, as was mentioned during our interview earlier on today. But anyway, this is Caitlin Clamper. Crashing waves, crashing waves 
crashing waves He will never leave you Jesus saves, Jesus saves He will lift you from the crashing waves Crashing waves He will never leave you Jesus already done isn't enough for you, nothing's going to be enough for you. Because it's meant to be real, and real life stories have baggage. We know that Peter's a loose cannon. It's all about context. And he chose different personalities to express that because his personality is infinite. If it's a love song written to us, when we're at our lowest points, we've got backup. Like a lot of the rational arguments for the existence of God, they tend to work better after you believe. Hi, this is Luke from oztabletalk.com.au. Please join myself and some of my closest friends as we explore our faith through conversation, Bible study, interviews, and more. You can find us online at oztabletalk.com.au. That's oz as in Australia, A-U-S, tabletalk.com.au. Looking forward to seeing you there. Bye. I'm so glad that's recorded because I want to write that down. Yeah. <laughs> Someone called it the care package there. <laughs> wow. <laughs> Listening to Faith FM, positively different radio. Do you enjoy fantastic food, fun, friends, and fellowship? Sure do. Then join us at the Philos Food Hub. For $5, you can receive a large food pack with free fruit and veggies thrown in, and a complimentary breakfast as well. Wow! Where? At the Adventist Church on Newcastle Road, Walls End, number 63. Is that the big iconic A-frame church near the roundabout? Sure is, and it starts 10am every Thursday. Great! I'll see you there. I have never seen your love move. No, I've never seen its way. It stands like a strong tower. Storm could ever shake. No, I've never seen your love move. Nor the colors of it fade. Its tones only get deeper. With each closer step.
that my love would be a strong tower That I'll be forever true I'll give my all to make you happy Be your support and know you too Back to Faith FM. It is that time of the show where it's that time of the show where Mon's busy showing me crochet <laughs> stuff and and Marta is banging on the window for the second time. It's like you guys are on. <laughs> Lyle just showed me the wonderful uh, new new tool that I'm going to use for ages. Now you can actually slow down YouTube videos because I watched YouTube tutorials on how to do different crochet crochet stitches, and sometimes they move so fast, I like I Mon, can't tell what's going Mon, on. Que- question of the day. Question. Of the oh day. yeah, my bad. Crochet, oh, by the way, crochet. we had a call. We had a call come in, didn't we? Oh, we did. We did. We had yes. uh, a wonderful Greek lady from uh, Veronica from Adelaide who called up to give us the correct pronunciation and uh, really nice it's like a bit of panache when you pronounce it correctly doesn't it yes you're going to have a crack at it Onisimos 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 that's my best that's my best crack I like it yeah, it sounds really nice I'm going to say like that from now on Onisimos it actually sounds great. maybe when you have kids you can um, name one of your children yeah maybe Onisimos. maybe I'll call them Onisimos Lyle after you <laughs> what a great idea <laughs> Didn't even balk there. <laughs> Thanks, Veronica. Really appreciate you calling up and, and letting us know the proper Greek way to pronounce that. Lyle, question of the daytime: yes. Did the disciples drink alcohol? Okay, how am I supposed to know whether the disciples drank alcohol or not? The question is not so much whether they drank alcohol, is whether alcohol is appropriate behavior for a Christian to participate in. And the disciples did lots of things that were wrong. Peter denied Jesus. That does not mean that we should go and deny Jesus. That's a true story. So it's not a question. The question is not did they drink alcohol, did they promote the drinking of alcohol? And, of course, you know, the Bible from one end to the other is very much against alcohol. Let's remind ourselves that alcohol is an addictive, mind-altering, destructive drug that destroys people. And families and communities and just everything. And the Bible has very strong things to say against alcohol. In fact, the Bible says that when you see alcohol, when you see it bubbling, when you see it moving in the cup, don't even look at it. Mm. That's how strong the Bible speaks about Mm. it. As the Bible says that wine is a mock, a strong drink. Our alcohol is raging. Whoever is deceived by it is a fool. And when the Bible calls you a fool, you are a serious fool. Okay, so let's think about this for a moment because some people say, oh, you know, but Jesus created, you know, turned water into wine. Okay, but that's a very simplistic way of looking at that particular passage. The word wine can refer to grape juice, it can refer to dibus, or it can refer to alcohol. Do what now? Dibus. That's what you put in a wineskin. Oh, okay, right. That's where you take the the, the grape juice and you boil it down to a jelly. You put it in a wineskin and you can keep it for up to 18 months without it turning alcoholic. Oh, like a cordial. 
Yeah, yeah. You reconstitute. It's very low quality grape juice. It tastes, you know. And then you, you know how cordial, water. You know how cordial tastes like sugared yes, water? Yeah, Like yeah. disgusting. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and that was kind of what it was like. And so when you had a wedding, for instance, the wedding feast that Jesus went to, the first miracle that he performed, on the first day you would provide grape juice, pure grape juice. Because in providing pure grape juice, of course, you were, you know, that was what you could, you could crush it that day, you could drink it, was the best. But you can't keep it until the next day, it's go, else it's going to turn alcoholic. Mm-hmm. And so for the rest of the wedding feast, and a Jewish uh, wedding would often go over three days, you would use reconstituted grape juice. Okay, so the Bible talks about this. How much time have I got? Oh, so, so little time. I'm going to summarize what the Bible says here. The Bible says that they ran out of, this is John chapter 2, they ran out of wine on the third day, which is a bit of a disaster. And so Jesus created more, and the Bible says that they had run out because they had been drinking a lot. They had well drunk, it says, in the King James Version. Now, if you've been drinking a lot over three days and it's alcohol, what kind of a condition are you in? Yeah, not a good one. Can you imagine Jesus doing that? No. No, not at all. Uh, This is not something that Jesus would ever participate in. Uh, The Bible is crystal clear that no alcoholic, no drunkard is going into heaven. And Jesus is here to give you victory over every addiction that you have. And so when Jesus creates uh, grape juice, he doesn't create the reconstituted didbus that they were having, you know, over those last two days of the wedding feast. He creates pure, new, fresh grape juice. So that's the context. Um, you can imagine, can you imagine for a moment, Jesus, you know, sitting around with a bunch of 18-year-olds, they can now take legally take their first drink and he has a glass of alcohol and he's like, okay, this is a mind-altering, addictive drug that will destroy your chances of getting into heaven. Here, try some. Yeah, no. Jesus is not going to do that. That's not how God operates. Jesus gave his life for our salvation. We should not just assume that every time the Bible uses the word wine, it's talking about alcohol, just because that's how we use that word today. That's not how that word was used in the first century, and we need to read it in a first century context. Let me read to you. I do have to read one passage very quickly. Uh, Let me find this here in... Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, Know you not that the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom of God? Be not deceived, neither fornicators, adulterers, um, nor effeminate, nor abusers of themselves with mankind, nor thieves, nor covetous, nor drunkards, nor revilers shall inherit the kingdom of God. The Bible is crystal clear. No alcoholic is going into heaven. Jesus comes to you with the opportunity to give you freedom from alcoholism. He offers it freedom to addiction from everybody. If you have a question, give us a call here. Our number is 1-800-FAITH-FM. We love having your questions. We'll answer them on Question of the Day. For now, this is Anders Svensson with Gone Are The Days. Gone are the days that I look to the
Zventon with Gone Other Days. You're listening to Faith FM. We have come to the end of our show and I should say that for those who are listening to the question about alcoholism and I did read a very, rather strong passage from the Bible there where it says that no alcoholic is going into heaven. Um, we talked about how Jesus is here to give you freedom from that and I also wanted to point out that um, one of the ways that uh, you can uh, really work with that is through Alcoholics Anonymous. Uh, they are in many parts of Australia, most parts of Australia, and I would encourage you, if you are struggling with alcoholism, to get in contact with Alcoholics Anonymous. And uh, I know a lot of, I've got a lot of good friends who uh, gained victory over their addictions right Amen. there. Yep, yep. Okay, so what's our giveaway here today, Mon? Our giveaway today actually is uh, very on point. It's called Uncorked the Hidden Hazards of Alcohol. This is great if uh, you just want to educate yourself some more about alcohol, if you have someone who uh, might be struggling with alcohol, or just to protect yourself and your family against alcohol. So this is a really wonderful book. It's written by um, Don F. Ashton, who we've interviewed here before, as well as uh, Ron. Ronald S. Laura. Sorry, I'll speak this away. <laughs> so, yeah, John, two, John Ashton two, and I. Two uh, local uh, Novocastrians from right here in Newcastle. Novocastrians, there yes. you go with the big words. And yes. um, just outstanding 
in both of them in their field. Absolutely, both scientists, very smart. And the amount of research that they have put into this particular book here is just absolutely staggering. Yeah. And of course, you know, we've had major health organisations in uh, recent times, just this year, who have been um, revealing that there is no safe level of drinking alcohol, zero. Mm-hmm. Um, and the book here will give you just pages yeah. and pages of it's a substantial documented uh, research that is out there that rarely ever sees the light of day. The alcohol industry makes sure that that happens. Yeah, it's a essentially sized book. It's not like a little book. And um, this is their second edition. So Dr. Ashton, Dr. Laura have done a really good job. So give us a call now, 1-800-FAITH-FM to get a copy of this book. Of course, if you would like to study the Bible, you can also call 1-800-FAITH-FM and uh, we can hook you up any which way that you'd like to study, in person or online, whichever way you like. Tis so sweet to trust in Jesus Just to take Him at His word Just to rest upon His promise Just to know, thus says the Lord 